lives. Thank you, Lord, for every one of these people that are in this room today. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive from your word what you have. I pray that you would help me bring this message in the way that you would want it brought. I pray you'd give us an ear to hear what you're saying to the church today. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you as you're seated. I don't have to stand here in front of y'all this morning and, and talk to you about what's going on in the world. You guys know, and many of you know even more than I know about some of the things that are going on around the world and right here in our own country. But what we're witnessing today around the world and even right here in our own nation and even in our own state, a great separation that is taking place. In our age, this age that we're living in, there is a great divide, a great separation. You can use the word diverging. The word diverging just means moving in different directions or drawing apart. Today, common ground is hard to find. And the past couple of years have proven that in our own society, we're actually choosing not to look for common ground. We seem inclined to prefer to draw apart. We have the liberal and conservative element, and it's pulling further and further apart. We're living in a time that civility seems to be a lost art. Civility has been met with hostility. You're either on my side or you're my enemy, seems to be the approach. And it's even ridiculous. In my opinion, this is strictly my opinion, but it's absolutely ridiculous to argue and to split over to be vaccinated or not vaccinated. Right is ridiculed and wrong seems to be glorified. And the problem is, is that we've politicized everything. And in politicizing everything in that process, we've caused a polarization of everything. The word polarized just simply means to divide or cause to divide into two sharply contrasting groups or sets of opinions or beliefs. It's obvious that we don't live in John F. Kennedy's America anymore. It's also obvious we don't live in Ronald Reagan's America anymore. But I'm not up here preaching to America. I'm up here preaching to the church. And so what we need to do is begin to look at what's going on through spiritual vision. Because behind it, there is a sinister force at work. Behind what's going on, there is something evil at play. The thief, Satan, the serpent. The roaring lion, the dragon, the Bible calls him. He's creating division. He's going about to steal, to kill, to destroy. And he's seeking, as Peter writes to us, seeking whom he may devour. I come here this morning to tell you that Satan's working overtime and he's doing it in anger. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12, verse 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. He is working in anger. He's working overtime because he knows that he's limited. I want to tell somebody something this morning. He's not infinite. He's limited. He's not in control. He has to answer to Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Furthermore, he knows his defeat is imminent, and that's why he's working so hard, and that's why he's working overtime. He knows what's coming for him because the Bible is plain about it. Revelation 20 and verse 10, he said, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, and the beast and the false, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. You're going to see the ultimate victory over our, our, our ultimate enemy. 
And you just keep hanging on. You just keep believing. You just keep holding on to hope. And you keep trusting the word of God. God knows exactly what's going on. God knows exactly where we are. God knows exactly what we need. And every single day that we're living and breathing, we ought to be raising a hallelujah to him. Thank be unto God. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. We go on a little bit further. We live in what the Apostle Paul said is perilous times. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. It's almost as if Paul looked over into the 21st century and just jotted some things down about the way people are. And then he says, they have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This, brothers and sisters, is where the lines get clearer. There are some things that we are commanded to pull away from. This is a conscious decision that we make, and this is a spiritual decision that we make. We make up our mind who and what we will align with. The trajectory of our American society is moving toward a place that we who believe in the righteousness of God will soon see our time of popularity and pleasantness come to an end. And if we, and I'm, I'm going to preach, and, and, and just pardon me if you're visiting today and you came to hear a pat on the back pep talk. I don't do that kind of stuff, and I'm sorry. But I, I, I want to tell you today, if we are troubled about staying popular as a believer, we got to get over that pretty quick. Because Christianity is based on inflexible truth. And the Word of God is unbending and unchanging truth. And it will be looked at with hostility. So we've got to make up our mind what we're going to align ourselves with. We need to be as Joshua of old and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what my neighbors do. It doesn't matter what anybody around me is doing. I've made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to stand for him. I'm going to walk in his truth. That's what I'm going to do. You see, the word of God is unbending, unchanging. It's truth. And this will be looked at with hostility. Not in India, not in Pakistan, not in China, not in the United Arab Emirates, but in the United States of America. It's going to be looked at with hostility. So we've made up our mind that we're not here running for something. We're here to stand for something. We're not after the polls. We're after the truth. We're not after getting approval. We're after the approval of the one whose approval matters. I want to hear him say, well done. That's what we're after. And I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. We're in the right when we're in the Word. So let's stay the course and let's see a move of God. Paul said the perilous times are come. And then he goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that the naive are going to be led astray. The insincere are going to miss the way and the self-seeking, they're going to go the wrong way. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, Paul said, For this or of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But Paul goes on to say that truth will triumph no matter how great the opposition. In verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, Now as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses... You're not going to find these two names over in the Old Testament, so don't go to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and looking up for Janus and Jambres. These two names are handed down through, uh, through Jewish oral tradition. And, and Paul's writing to a group of people that knew what he was talking about, these magicians in Pharaoh's court that had withstood Moses. Now, as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. 
for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Let me just remind you, because you're living for truth and it seems like that, that untruth is prevailing, don't give up because truth will prevail. Truth will triumph. So stand in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which come unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystria, the persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And the remedy to that is the next verse. He said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, corrupt, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, I started out in Psalm 119 and 2 Peter chapter 1. And in those two passages, those three verses of Scripture, there's three things that come to our attention that we focus on. Number one is the Word of God. Number two is we have that, number one, a word from God. And number two, we have a call from God. And number three, we have entrance into the kingdom of God. So the Word said in Psalm 119, 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I started out by addressing divergence. The opposite of that is convergence or coming together. Everything we preach Everything about the Word of God, everything about our faith is the coming together of the divine and humanity. The convergence of God and man, the convergence of heaven and earth, the convergence of the Holy Spirit of God taking residence in the body of a spirit-filled believer, a coming together. Everything that you're witnessing, are y'all with me? Everything you're witnessing in this world today that is divisive, that comes straight from the pit of hell. But God wants to reconcile man unto himself, and God wants to reconcile man to man. God wants to draw us closer to each other and closer to him, and that's where we are. We're not in a political arena. We're in the kingdom of the living God. We're in the body of Christ. We're in the church, and God is drawing us closer. He's drawing us to himself, and he's drawing us closer to each other. I want to give you these three things real quickly. Number one, an entrance. And I want to tell you, if you're interested in having any of these notes, you, just, you can just go to fpclexington.org, I think is the right place to send you, and just go to today's date, and you can find all of this, everything I'm saying, it's there. But an entrance, God gives entrance. You see, we as humanity and we as the church, we look for exits. But God gives us entrances. God brought the people of, of Israel out of Egypt, not just to bring them out. He had a purpose, and that was to bring them into Canaan. He brought them out of bondage, not just to free them from bondage, but to teach them to walk in freedom. He brought us out of darkness to bring us into light. God brought us out of sin to bring us into righteousness. Every exit that God has brought into our life has become an entrance. Every exit has become an entrance. God's brought us from. 
I'm talking to people today from all walks of life, and that just thrills my heart. But I want to tell all of us, no matter where we are in our walk with God or where we are in our faith, we don't just come to God to get out of trouble. We don't come to God to get out of our messes. We don't come to God just to get out of our bondage. God does get us out. That is without a doubt. But if our mindset is God is a great big get me out, then we're going to be missing out. God is not just about getting us out. We weren't just given an exit. We were given an entrance. And every exit he's given has become an entrance to something greater. Man, I feel that. Every exit he's given has become an entrance to something greater. I walked out of sin's grave to enter into life with him. I walked out of Satan's hold to enter into life in Jesus' freedom. I walked out of darkness to enter into a light that I can't even begin to, to explain. We're no longer looking for God to just get us out of it. We're looking for him to bring us into it. He brought us into life in him. And we're not here acquiescing, we're here to advance. We're not bowing out, we're stepping up. And we've abandoned the old and we're accessing the new. The Word of God declared, God made this declaration. The psalmist did in Psalm 119 verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. We cannot know God by the logic of reason through reason, we can only know about God. Through the light of nature, our moral reason may be enlightened, but the deeper mysteries of God remain hidden until we receive illumination from above. John the Baptist answered a question one day that gives light to both the hope and the despair of mankind when John was preaching and they were wondering, they wanted an explanation of his ministry. And John tells them, I'm not the Messiah, I'm the forerunner of the Messiah. And in John 3, 27, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. So bottom line is, is I have nothing without the Lord, but I have everything when I have him. Light will come. If we desire it, light will come if we seek it, and light will come if we yield to it. But the truth of the matter is, is men have chosen darkness over light, and men have chosen traditions of man over truth from God. John was speaking of spiritual truth, divine truth. And divine truth of the nature of the Holy Spirit can only be received by spiritual revelation. The entrance of thy word gives light, the psalmist said. It gives clarity. It gives direction. The entrance of thy word gives understanding to the simple. It gives instruction. It gives transformation, transformed by the renewing of the mind. And when the word penetrates the life and the entrance of the word of God brings light into a life, our attitudes change. And as a result of our attitude changing, our actions become different. The mindset is made new and the living is made new as a result of the mindset being changed. That's the power of the word of God. The word declared. And then it goes on the next text that I read to you is in 2 Peter. The Spirit empowers. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1, look at this closely with me, and I don't want to bore you, but I love, I love breaking down Scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, 
For by are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Look at it real closely. Peter talks about his divine power. That's not human futility. That's not mankind achieving greatness. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the power of God. His divine power, the Bible says, has given us all things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And as we grow by the Spirit and by the Word and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's just going to get better and better and better. Do you believe that? And then he goes on to say we've been called We've been called by his own glory. We've been called by his own virtue. We've been given very great and precious promises. Old song said, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Do you believe that today? The Word of God tells us, and Jesus made this statement in John chapter 1 and verse 10. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Are you thankful for what God started in your life? Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord right now? I'm thankful. Hallelujah. Didn't do this on my own. We didn't do this on our own. We're here because of the work of God in our life. And so Peter talks about this divine power. And then he goes on to say in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter chapter 1. And beside this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue. It starts with faith. But we begin to add. We add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall." For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter is saying, make every effort to, con- to confirm your calling and election. Let me just ask you this because I've been preaching for about 30 minutes, I think. I don't know. I don't, even take, I, 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 I don't know how long I preach, so I'll go back later and look at it. Look at the time frame there on, the, on Facebook. But I've been preaching for a little while, and I've gotten to this point where I've loaded you down with, with Scripture, and, and I can see you kind of just beginning to drift off. Let me ask you this. How many of you have been an active participant with God in your walk with God? How many of you have been an active participant? Doing as Peter says, make sure you're making your calling and election sure. Add to your faith. How many of you have set measurements for your walk with God in your life and, and, and looked at it and says, yes, I'm deeper, I'm stronger, I'm more settled than I was when I started. I'm growing in my understanding. You see... We get to, we, we, we start out, when we first start walking with God, there's a little, it's kind of like walking 
as a child. There's a little unsteadiness that goes on. We're, we just kind of stagger around and we stumble real easily. And then as we get better and stronger and more sure in our walk with God, we don't stumble like we used to, to stumble. And if you're still tripping over the same old things, you need to realize that you, there's still some growing up that you got to do. And the Lord will give you everything you need, everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to you and me. But we've got to apprehend it. We've got to get a hold of it. We've got to grab it. We've got to say, Lord, I want this. I want virtue. I want knowledge. I want understanding. I want to grow in the things that you have laid out here for me. I don't want to come short in any of it. And then he says, do these things and you'll not fall and Peter is saying we make every effort to confirm our calling and election we do these things and will never fall away his divine power gives us all we need and his divine nature is the goal for our life be diligent and then he says in verse 11 and I'm going to start tying this stuff together in verse 11 he says for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, you'll get a grand entrance into the kingdom, the everlasting kingdom, the dominant kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. David said in Psalm 36 and 8, they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fullness of thy house. Isaiah 9, 6, we know it says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. I want to tell you something. You didn't get into a religion. You got into life with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Life and that more abundantly. Daniel saw it in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel made this statement of his kingdom that his dominion shall not pass away. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. We've, we've, we've received an entrance. And he said it's abundantly supplied to you. You, also, you know what you received? You received a warm welcome to an abundant supply. I love the story of the prodigal there in Luke chapter 15 when Jesus was telling that story about the young man that came to his dad and said, Dad, will you go ahead and give me my inheritance so that I can just live it up while I'm young? And he took his inheritance. He went off and he wasted his substance on riotous living because the prodigal thought that home was restrictive. The prodigal thought that the father's house had placed restrictions on his life. Somebody hear me right now. The prodigal thought that he was in bondage in the house. The prodigal thought that he was living under restriction until he experienced the restriction of starving, the bondage of emptiness while he was living in sin in the hog pen. Everybody that walks away from the house of God because they think it's restrictive, God's going to let them come to a place of an eye-opening, praise be unto God, I'm believing this, to an eye-opening experience where they come to themselves and they realize that I thought I was restricted in the Father's house and I did not know bondage until I was starving to death in the hog pen. And a young man came to himself, and he came to his father. And while he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and he ran and fell on his neck, and he embraced him, and he kissed him. And he said, come on, you're coming back home. He gave him a warm welcome into the entrance of abundance of the father's house. And that's what you and I received when we walked before the Lord and we said, God, I want to come out of that exit that you've made for me and I want to come into that entrance that you've opened for me. And we found a warm welcome by a loving Father that says, why don't you come on in to joy that's unspeakable, to peace that passes understanding, to hope that is beyond anything you could ever think of. The entrance is our access. Let me go on just a little bit further and just tell you this. We didn't escape the outside to become a prisoner of the inside. 
We didn't have hell's hold pardon on our lives so we could live in house arrest in the church. A lot of people feel like, man, I'm on house arrest. I'm walking, I'm walking around with this Holy Ghost ankle bracelet. I got this monitor on me. I got to be checked in on by, by the pastor every so often. I'm living here in a place of restriction. Religion restrictive, but life in the spirit is absolute freedom. If Jesus makes you free, you're free indeed. Why don't you go find that one that's losing everything because meth has got a stranglehold on them? Ask them who's in bondage. Why don't you find somebody that's sleeping around just to pay for their drug habit? Ask them who's in bondage. Find somebody that's living from the bottle to the bottle. Ask them who's in bondage. Find somebody who's in over their head and can't see a way out. Ask them about bondage. If Jesus made you free, you're free. You ought to clap your hands to him right now. He that the Son makes free is free indeed. And Jesus made that statement in John 8, 31. They said, he said to the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And they answered him and said, No, sir, Lord, we're religious. Yes, Lord. Huh? We never were in bondage to any man. Lord, I've been a member of a Pentecostal church for 104 years. And you're looking at me and you're saying you shall be made free. And Jesus is telling us, I want to tell you all something. My word's going to lead you to freedom. But my power is going to guarantee you your freedom. You're not made free because you're religious. You're made free because you walk in truth. And then he goes on to say, and the servant Abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You didn't get your freedom from your old life because you walked into a Pentecostal church. You got your freedom from your old life because you heard the truth of the Word of God, and by faith you acted on it. And your faith led you to obedience. And obedience looks like this. It looks like repentance of your sin. Baptism in the name of the Lord for the remission of your sins. And the Spirit of God filling your life. The power of God. Jesus last night before his crucifixion. was an intimate setting with his disciples. He had just washed their feet. Any of y'all ever been to a foot washing? Some of y'all looking at me blank face. Used to do it all the time. We haven't done one in a long time, and I've talked about it three times lately, and I've got this whole congregation shook up. <laughs> Foot washing. You know, that's where gen generally men with men. And it's just a real humbling experience. But you kneel down and you wash your brother's feet. Jesus just got through washing their feet. It was Passover. He told them some troubling words. He said, I'm going to walk into something you can't follow me into. In that same setting, he indicated that one of you is going to betray me and one of you is going to deny me. And they were troubled in their heart because they couldn't understand. And Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, in John 14, 2, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus goes on in verse 23, and he answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode with him. He made that statement in John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. And then in verse 23, he said, we will make our abode with him. When this was written, when it was stated, both the word mansion and the word abode were the same word. 
It was translated into English. One word was mansion. One word was abode. Mansions sounds a lot more fancy. Abode, I mean, that just sounds like a tent. But the word mansion and the word abode both just indicate a residence or a room or a dwelling. It could even be used as an apartment. He said, in my father's house are many rooms or place of dwelling. But then he said in verse 23, when the Spirit comes, my father and I will make our abode in you. Spoken of the Lord making the believer his place of dwelling. Jesus spoke of things with that one word of us living in him and of him living in us. Jesus was about to face at this hour prayer so intense that he was going to sweat blood, betrayal by one of his own. He was going to face trial, scourging, mocking, crucifixion, and death. And everything he was doing was to include them and us into his purpose. A lot of people have looked at that scripture in my father's house are many mansions, and I don't want to mess with your theology. I taught this Wednesday night, and I'm not going to reteach it. I don't want to mess with your theology. But when he said, in my father's house are many mansions, on that night that was about to rock the universe, that was set in motion a major defeat to the spirit world, and it was going to bring the greatest victory that humanity had ever known, Jesus was not talking about real estate or structures. When facing a major battle, he was not talking to his disciples to get them to focus on material things. A lot of people have in their mind when they hear that word, in my father's house are many mansions. They're thinking about a 10-acre estate with a 5,000-square-foot palatial home on it. But he said, in my father's house are many rooms, many dwellings many apartments, many places to dwell. It's a dwelling. And he used the expressions in and are that denotes that even right now. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you becomes clearer when he begins to talk about that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Because what Jesus was about to do was making it to where we could live in him and him live in us. He was wanting to give us an entrance into his life. And we look at John chapter 14 as an exit scripture that we're going to get out of here. And we are. We have heaven to look forward to and heaven to gain. But he says, I want you to be where I am. That where I am, there ye may be also. Where I am is occupying at this time. There ye may be also is being there where he is. That was Jesus' prayer for the church in John 17 and verse 20. He said, neither do I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory that you gave me I've given them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. I will that they, talking about us, be. That's right where I am. That's existing where I am. With. That's in company. Me is a first person word. Where is it? Whichever spot. I am means where he is at this moment. In other words, he wants us to live in him and him to live in us. You see, Jesus is letting us know that what he did his purpose was not just about for him to accomplish his purpose, but that his apostles, his disciples, and us will be included in him. He's going to make a place for them. Going back to the music.
So we don't need to be looking at John chapter 14 as an exit of leaving this world only. Because it's an entrance into something that humanity had never known. When Jesus died, the veil in the temple was rent in twain. It was ripped from top to bottom. What had been a separation from the Holy of Holies, now, because of his death, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can be shown his mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And my third and final point is step out, step in, and step up. We've been called. We've been called to leave the life that leads to death. We've been called to come out of darkness, to step out. We've been called to come into life, to come into light. That's to step in. But not only have we been called out, that exit became an entrance. And if y'all don't remember anything, remember that. That God didn't just give you an exit. He gave you an entrance. That exit from was your entrance to. To step into life in Him. Living in Him and Him living in us. Jesus made the statement in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus made the statement in John chapter 15 and verse 4. He said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. In John 16, 13, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but of whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak. And he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall shew it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take a mine and shew it to you. Would you stand with me? You see, Jesus, Jesus was not just saying, I want you to come out of. But he says, when I bring you out, I'm going to bring you in. And that exit from is going to be an entrance to. This is what he was all about, and this is what the Old Testament had pointed toward. This is what his life fulfilled. His accomplishment was seen in his death, his burial, his resurrection. Jesus' final words before he ascended into glory were Acts 1.8. He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. They gathered themselves together and they waited on that promise. And then that day when the Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached about the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of the Lord, about his glory and his honor that was given him. And those that heard him were pricked in their heart and they said, what must we do? And Peter said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And that's what you see here this morning. You see those that are still believing what Peter preached on that day of Pentecost. But Paul goes on to talk about it in Romans chapter 8. He said, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And he goes on to say in verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 
And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The song that they just sung right before I stepped up here to preach, that I am a walking, living, breathing, moving, hallelujah. I I get the words mixed up. But that's exactly what you and I as spirit-filled believers are. And if you have not known that, that's God's will for your life. God wants you to know him in the power of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to know him living in you and you living in him. You know, this is not one of those churches that if you come up here at the end of this message in a minute and shake mine or one of the other pastor's hand or the bishop's hand, Shake our hand and say, I want to be a member of the church because I'm convinced by your words that this is what I need to do. Because if you have to be talked into something, you can leave here and not even make it to Zaxby's and somebody can talk you out of it. If you're talked into being saved, you can be talked out of being saved. But if you have an experience with God, the old folks used to say, I know that I know that I know. If you have an experience with God, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You have an experience with God, you can walk out of here and face hell wide open and stand firm in what God has done in your life and say, I know, not because I've been talked into it, but because I've got the Spirit of God dwelling in my life. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. He gave us an exit from the old, an entrance into the new, with the desire that you and I walk in what he's brought us into. Ephesians 2. The God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he hath loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and has raised us up to sit together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And bear with me. I want to read one other passage in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul said, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Jumping down to verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Bow your heads with me. The psalmist said it. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Peter said, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you'll never fall. Because what you're doing 
and entrance is ministered into, unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave us an exit, but that exit became an entrance. That exit from the old was an entrance to live in the new. God's been showing some of y'all the exit. That's why I wanted you to bow your heads for a moment. God's been showing some of you the exit, and God has been revealing to some of you the entrance. God's Spirit is pulling on your heart, and it has been. And just as John the Baptist made that statement there on that Judean wilderness side, these things that we've received are revelation from the Lord. There's a pull on your heart that you need to yield to this morning. And you can't stay where you are and get to where he wants you to go. I want you to pray with each other right now because I felt it heavy on me while I was preaching a moment ago. That there's some people in this room that really need a touch from God. There's some that need a touch physically. There's some that needs a real touch physically. And there's some in this room tonight that need a touch even emotionally. Some of you, your bodies are broken. Some of you, your minds are broken. And there's some in this room today that need something to happen spiritually. And I don't want to just preach a message and walk off from this pulpit. I want to give you an opportunity to receive what you need from God in your life today. And I want you to reach over and put your hand on the back of that person that's beside you. And I want you to begin praying for them right now. Come on, I want you to pray in the name of Jesus. Dear Lord, we come to you today. We know that you left the splendor of heaven and you walked among men. You took on the form of man. That God, you became what you weren't, and that's flesh and blood, so that we could become what we had no hope of being, and that was to become the sons of God. That Lord, you entered into our lives so that we could have entrance into yours. And Lord, you've already purchased our healing with your stripes. We are healed. You already paid for our salvation because your shed blood paid the price for our redemption. And Lord, your victory over death secured all of this. And today, God, I pray that in this room, those that need something from you, that faith would rise in this moment, that faith would rise. And God, they would walk from where I they are, whether it be healing that they need or emotional healing Sleep or spiritual renewing. I pray, I oh Lord, stay for newness here. to come into their life. In the name of Jesus. Please in the name anymore. of Jesus. In the name I of Jesus. Stay come on, somebody wants to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. Why don't you walk My up to this front? Why don't you just come on up here this morning and raise your hands to the Lord and receive what God's got yeah, for you. Some need to be I'm renewed in your mind today. Why don't you get out from where you are and walk around? Walk up here to this front. You need healing in your body. We've got oil that will pray, will anoint you, will believe God for healing. You need something from the Lord today. God wants to do it for you. God's given you an entrance. God's given you an entrance. God wants to do a work in your life. Receive from Him today. 